When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Pod Save the Queen! Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the Queen, the Daily Mirror's royal podcast. I'm your host, Anne Gripper, and we have to say welcome back as well to Russell Myers, back from the other side of the world where he was with Harry and Meghan. Hello, hello. I'm still, uh, on, the, still on the wrong time zone though, unfortunately. I think a lot of people are struggling with jet lag. Jet lag, oh, well, Harry and Meghan, have, well, Harry's been back out this week, so hopefully he's got his body clocks. Yeah, there. hopefully, hopefully. It's a, I think we're slowly back, getting back into it. I've been waking up at like three, four, five, I think. Okay. half five this morning so slowly getting back to it and we've got a packed weekend coming up so lots to look forward to um so last time we spoke it was the middle of the night yes. and it was not long after megan had just been rushed out of the market in fiji which Gosh. is probably the most dramatic moment of the tour i know really. there was yeah there was a couple of really really big big moments on it and that was probably the biggest into well and the the near death uh, escape from the plane not nearly crashing it was a really good manoeuvre from the pilot but they were coming in to land when they were coming back to Sydney and they ended up taking back off again but uh, there was a bit of drama on the plane when they came back but certainly the Fiji aspect of uh, well, her being rushed out the market was quite a big deal yeah. especially when you saw the sort of pictures and the, the moving images of her whispering into her aide's ear and then there was something not quite right about it and yeah. something spooked the, uh, the PPO her private protection officer and then they were sort of rushed out the market leaving a lot of the uh, market traders and the, the female vendors there who had been there to see her um, a little bit upset a little bit upset but there was a rare I mean ev- otherwise the tour seemed to run fairly like clockwork yeah, even though so. even though we think that they quite often like to dally a bit and spend time with people yeah. but they didn't seem to no, end up I running mean, late you know what? It, was, it was a phenomenal effort on their part because you got 16 days, uh, 76 engagements, four countries. I think we had done 16 flights by the end of it. They're, every single day was packed. I think they had one half day off when they went to an island um, just off of Hervey Bay. But apart from that, it was a lot of handshaking, a lot of speeches. Megan did particularly well in her speeches. I thought we saw some great speeches with her talking about women's empowerment in uh, and, and suffrage in New Zealand. She did a speech about uh, education and the availability of sorts of uh, different sections of community, especially women and children being able to access education. And then, of course, she made that massive speech at the end of the Invictus Games. So definitely think we're going to be seeing a few... Uh, these, these are the snippets of what we're going to see of her royal duty coming forward next year when I imagine she will be um, announcing what sort of projects that, uh, she's going to carry forward 
to her well so the rest of her royal life really it's interesting as well actually if she's going to be kind of a, a a voice of the royal family because there is always so much interest in her and what she says and she is very comfortable behind a microphone in a way that Kate has you know Kate has come a long way with her public speaking I mean Victoria and I talked about it yeah you know way back when when Absolutely, she was on yeah. the podcast but but it, she never feels fully comfortable and natural and I think it's it is a duty rather than a Very pleasure much so. for her. Yeah, but, but listen, I mean, a lot has been made about Meghan being actress. She certainly knows how to work the crowd. She's very affable she you know we had we've moved on from this whole aspect of hello i'm megan yeah. it's really you no know, she's out there she's putting herself out there and i really saw um a different side and it's quite interesting because obviously i've not been doing this you know particularly that long this year really but with speaking to the uh, colleagues who have been doing this 5 10 20 30 years and especially seeing harry as he's sort of matured from you know a young mischievous lad into this sort of statesman-like um, position that he's obviously taking on she's really helping him I think being the public eye doing those speeches I think he you know he's 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 not the best public speaker but when you know he made a couple of really important speeches during the tour and there was that picture that Kensington Palace put out of just before the opening ceremony in the Invictus Games where he was standing on stage in the shadow of the Sydney Opera House and the only person in the crowd was Meghan. And you can definitely tell that I, I, I imagine she's really helping him with his public speaking and helping him practice and giving him the confidence. And you can definitely see, I was um, the, one of the journalists to, to, to see her speech um, in New Zealand when she was talking about women's suffrage and the 125th anniversary. And she was magnificent doing that. And just looking across the room at Harry, you can see he's sort of beaming with pride, looking at her in a way to say... God, you, that's how you do it almost. And um, I, I definitely think he's going to take that confidence moving forward from her. Because it must be weird, you know, everyone's got to have that person that they can trust and rely on to be sort of vulnerable with and mm. do the, do the mm. practice when it's maybe not quite right and then be given some honest but gentle feedback. And if you're a prince... Or, yes. or a member of the royal family. Absolutely. It's probably ca- quite hard to say, Harry, that was really rubbish. Yeah. And we need to do you, it again. We need to do it again and again. And, again. and, and, you, again. and yeah, you, yeah. Can't, you can't go watch the rugby yet. Yeah. You, <laughs> you, you need to drill. Well, so, uh, yeah, I th- but, you know, they, they seem to be this formidable double act moving forward. And it's not only sort of meeting the crowds. There were some really nice moments when Harry was meeting that uh, the, the 98-year-old Daphne Dunn when he, he sort of got this woman who's seen him three or four times now over in Australia and she's an old war widow and Harry calling over Meghan and then both sitting down with her, this embrace. It is very, very sweet. And, it, and it, you know, I, uh, again, moving back to this whole point of, well, she's an actress, she knows what she's doing. There's definitely moments where you can turn it on and you can turn it off. And there's definitely moments when you need to be have that realness about you and that um, vulnerability almost. And, and I, I definitely thought we saw that across in the tour. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of things that you can fake, there's a lot of things you can't. And up close, over 16 days, you would have thought you would have seen some cracks. And I know she had a couple of days off here and there, but she's pregnant, it's a long tour. Um, and overall, I thought she did remarkably well because obviously Harry is used to doing all of this um, on his own. 
but he's, he's definitely taken a new um, a new way of doing things. And with her by him, her by his side, or sorry, he's. Um, I, I thought they did very very well, and they were really well received. So I think the net the, that that excitement is definitely going to build for wherever they go across the UK, and and indeed the, the tours in the next few years. Any particular favourite moments from the second half of the tour? Yeah, undoubtedly the um, the pofery, the sort of Maori war dance tribal welcome that we saw on the very last day in Rotorua um, was probably one of the best performances I've ever seen of anything it was absolutely magnificent and I was ch- sitting to a ch- next to a chap on the way so essentially Rotorua is a really sacred part of uh, Maori culture a sacred land uh, it's, it's built it's, it's, it's surrounded by these beautiful beautiful scenery these huge sweeping fields uh, in the sulphur plains most of, most of the time a lot of places smells like rotten eggs but it's this it's the sulphur from the lands and they did this sort of welcome when they put Harry and Meghan in these sort of uh, traditional ceremonial robes and they had this hacker going on but you know from 90 year old ladies to 4 year old kids to the muscle bound tattooed Maori warriors doing this whole uh, ceremonial uh, piece of theatre was absolutely amazing and the, the Kiwis that we'd spoken to have said well, we were very very privileged to have seen that because not a lot of Kiwis would get to see that and I, and I really did you could not fail to be moved by it so that was um, easily probably my tour highlight to be honest right at the very end and obviously they are sort of over there as ambassadors for the queen essentially and for the royal family and their continuing role in australia and new zealand how did kind of what what kind of a reaction did they get what kind of an impression how, what sort of you know how what what is the mood towards well, the royal you know, family so that, i mean I, I, I sort of read quite a bit about the republican movement in in australia beforehand and i was worried about not worried but i was Slightly um, uh, looking well, looking forward to seeing how that would play out. Really, I thought that you know that, that there's been a bit about whether the Aussies will have another referendum in the next year or two. There's definitely a Republican movement. Um, the New Zealanders, the Kiwis, had voted whether to change the flag in the re- in the last couple of years to a Maori flag, which got voted down, but that's still bubbling under the surface. And um, I was interested to see how that play out, but undeniably there was a sort of a fever pitch that swept all the countries they were in um, I mean massive for Fiji and Tonga for them to go there because this, this sort of stuff happens once in a blue moon but maybe maybe less so for, for Australia and New Zealand but undeniably they were hugely hugely popular and you're talking thousands and thousands of people came to greet them wherever they went and it wasn't just you know school kids bunking off for the day it was men, women, children families you know, wherever they went to Dubbo, Melbourne, uh, Hervey Bay, big in the cities as well. And um, and they had a, a listen, the, ba- the baby news kicked it right off. And then you, you had this sort of fever pitch that swept um, the whole world almost. I mean, we were running it massive, weren't we, when we, kept, when we were all back here. But um, they're very, very popular. It's part of a new era for the royal family. You know, William, Kate, Harry, Meghan and, you know, William and Kate's kids. And now we've got a baby Sussex on the way, so I don't think it's going to wane anytime soon. Yeah, plenty to keep you busy. I know. And out, out, out of trouble. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, you were thrown straight back into it this week, back in. You were out out last night. Did you have to get your dicky bow on or not? I didn't, actually. It was black tie. I thought a bit, uh, I was a little bit underdressed, but I did have a black suit and black tie on, so I wasn't wearing a dicky. But it was... Um, 
It was a really inspiring, uplifting event. And I know that's quite a tagline that gets thrown around a lot of times when you go to awards, but... So this was the Tusk Awards? This was the Tusk Awards that William is the royal patron of, and he was handing out uh, several awards for uh, conservation efforts for the Ranger of the Year Award and a conservation award that is in his name as well. Um, And there were... Um, people who work in conservation all over Africa, Uganda, Kenya, South Africa, and to meet these people and to, to hear them speak so passionately um, about their subject. These are, the pe- these are the people who are living this life day to day about conservation, the environment, seeing what we are doing to the planet. And, um, and there's been a lot of sound bites recently, I think we'll touch upon later about Charles's uh, documentary where we saw him speaking about the environment, plastics. He's very embedded within that. That's always been him talking about that throughout his royal life, and uh, and definitely William and Harry are carrying that on as well. We saw Harry talk about the environment, conservation on the tour. William's obviously very uh, embedded in it, very interested in it, very knowledgeable about it. A lot of the people there from the you know the Ugandan and Kenyan conservation sides were commenting about how knowledgeable he was um, and really really interesting to see that I think one of the big things that did stand out was it was William's speech when he, he you know he kicked it off and it was sort of, you could have heard a, heard a pin drop in the room when he was talking about the environment t- and ticking towards a tipping point which will become dangerously irreversible now you know you talk I know we talk about Royals are not very political, but you, I think we're, we're definitely moving into more of a political aspect with these sort of, sort of speeches. We saw it with Harry on the tour, talking about, you know, we need to act, there needs to be more action from governments, from people, from stakeholders. Um, and there was, you know, there was more of that last night. So, um, yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it, was a, yeah, it was a long night, but it was a very, very inspiring, inspiring evening. And Kate looked magnificent. Well, yeah, again, this is, you know, this is all, all new for me, isn't Can it? Can I tell you, though, I'm a total geek. So as soon as I saw her in that dress, I was like, that's what she wore to the Olympic ball in 2012. See? It's one of my favourites. Yeah, but- she did look absolutely stunning, it must be said. And uh, well, so, OK, what colour was it? Because I said mm. aqua green and then I saw later on one of the blogs that it was described as teal. Teal is... So teal. I went with teal in my copy. Teal, yes, teal it. is a good option. It's that kind of... I'm slowly It's, it's really then. difficult to describe, but beautiful bluey green. Yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, you know, fair play. If I could fit into clothes that I wore in 2012, that would be an absolute miracle. You and me so both. fair enough to her. Um, and a lot of attention had been on Megan and her massive wardrobe that we saw on the tour and how much we've been spending on it. So... Good for Kate, uh, a conservation awards ceremony, bringing out the old faithfuls. She looked, um, yeah. she looked magnificent, it must and be said. I think it looked like it was the same same shoes underneath as well, and the same, and bag. same bag. Yeah. And uh, new earrings, though, borrowed from the Queen, is the thought. Well done. Plenty of, Eagle pl- eye. Plenty of glitz for the diamonds. I wonder what it must be like the first time that you borrow some diamonds from the Queen, <laughs> and suddenly you've got like this super epic bling. I mean, if you're going out with a prince already, I'd imagine you get <laughs> fairly decent jewellery for Valentine's, but... You know, when you it's not H. Samuel, is it? No, or any other jewels. There are other jewels <laughs> available. Um, so that was that. So, how was Kate involved with last night, or was she more so just she, there no, as a no, plus it was one? It was, it's William's gig, really, because he's he is the royal patron of Task. You know, some real good speeches by the founders. Very, very well. The production of the films, where following the Rangers and the people working out on the on the ground, were 
was really well produced. A lot of um, his sort of important stakeholders, a few ministers there, um, and it was a really enjoyable evening. Uh, but William was definitely taking centre stage. His his speech was, um, you know, he was echoing Sir David Attenborough's speech that he uh, said he made two years previous when he was warning that man is losing his own connection with nature, and this is definitely definitely something we're going to see more of William. I think William, since William's become a father, he's you know, not only emulating his own father talking about environment, you know, we've had him speaking about cyberbullying, that sort of stuff, but um, the fact that he is now a, uh, you know, a father himself, I think he's really becoming um, in tune with his place in the world and what it means to what are we doing to our planet that will affect our children. And he was, you know, he was echoing those sentiments last night. Um, and I, I definitely we're going to see a lot more of him talking about stuff like this in the future. Um, you mentioned the Prince Charles documentary, which was in the run-up to um, Charles's 70th yes. birthday on Wednesday. But he and Camilla have just been on tour as well in, in Africa. And I think, so this is the... Charles and Camilla seem to have that gig at the moment. You know, none of the... Harry, Harry's, I don't think, has done a proper big Africa trip officially. Mm-hmm. And William and Kate haven't done one yet. So to me, that is the next logical tour for the Cambridges. Well, definitely, because... So we big rumours that we're going to... Normally, tours in spring and autumn. So... The a spring tour is going to be out for the Sussexes, you would imagine. Baby. Because baby on the way. So that leaves open goal for the Cambridges to do a big tour. My guess would be that it's going to be somewhere in Africa, somewhere in the Commonwealth, and to do with Africa. Or... Maybe the Caribbean. Maybe the Caribbean is a massive shout as well, because... Um, that had been done previously, but maybe they'll take the kids during Easter. That would be phenomenal. And it would be maybe sort of a 10, 12-day tour in the spring. So they're, they're definitely the two front runners. But per- personally, I'd love to see them go to Africa because it fits in with his conservation work. It fits in with the narrative that he's been speaking about quite a lot um, over the past, you know, over the past 12 months. So maybe maybe we would see him go to Africa and maybe do some more conservation work maybe with Tusk who's really embedded with this charity at the moment um, so what did Charles and Camilla get up to when so they Charles were and Camilla there? were in Gambia in Ghana and Nigeria it seems to have been a lot of fun actually I think there was a the, the, the juggernaut of um, being involved in Harry and Meghan's tour definitely is uh, another side of the coin to Charles and Camilla's like they they have definitely had a, a lot more fun it would seem I think there was a quite a lot of serious um, aspects of Harry and Meghan's tour there was obviously the big hullabaloo about Invictus so there was a lot of serious aspects to it I, I thought they would have a bit more fun I thought we'd see Harry doing a bit of rugby I thought we'd see her having a bit more fun but Seeing Charles and Camilla dancing with all the sort of tribal uh, dancers in the Gambia and Ghana, it's, it looked like a really fun time that they've had. Um, and, and Charles, it, you know, they're still doing the serious aspect of speaking about the environment. There was this, um, yeah, uh, he, he made a comment about looking after the, the world for, you know, Meghan's baby that's on the way. And he made a really important speech about slavery and he was talking about it being indelible stain on the history of the of the UK and West Africa, so um, really important speeches made by my made by Charles, and then obviously his documentary came out celebrating his seventieth birthday, which is next Thursday, fourteenth. Wednesday, I think. Wednesday, sorry. Again, I'm, time I'm, zone. I'm on, I'm on time zone. Yeah, different times. Right date, so it'll, be, it'll, be, it'll be Thursday in New Zealand. 
<laughs> but yeah, so th- this documentary was absolutely fascinating. It was year, if I, and for our listeners across the pond and around the world, if you can get, you know, hopefully it'll be on BBC World somewhere because it is an absolute must see. Um, showed a really lighter side to him. I think that. You know, he's he's often been criticised for the way that he's approached certain aspects of his royal life, the meddling aspect of um, interfering with maybe political aspects of royal duty, which maybe there's a bit of a, uh, a grey area. But for, you know, I think there was one really poignant moment where he he was asked what sort of king he would be um, and how he will change, and he and for the first time he's actually admitted that he will take a step back. He won't. He won't. You know, mischievously said, "Well, if I've always thought it was motivating rather than meddling." Um, so that's. I think that's really interesting that we, we are seeing him as a king in waiting. You know, he's waited seventy years to do this job, or four. He was four when he became heir to the throne. So he's you know sixty-six years to to do this job all his life, and he's still probably got a fair way to go to to wait for it. So. Um, it was quite interesting to see how he's do- um, evolved his role as the Prince of Wales, talking about the Prince's Trust, talking about his passions that were particularly um, uh, dear to him. I mean, we saw some really amazing film in the documentary from 1970 when he was talking about the use of plastics and how it's unsustainable to be using. And then there was a clip of Harry and uh, William sitting there thinking, you know, uh, with, to look, looking upon it with pride. I'm sure they know about... You know, the fact that he's spoken about all these courses, but when you're seeing that in you know colour film from 1970 of your father being one of the pioneers to be discussing really important aspects which are so embedded in today's society, um, yeah, it was fascinating. There's a lot of stuff. Harry on Charles, William on Charles, Camilla on Charles, talking about aspects of them. You know, he's a workaholic. They want him to slow down and spend more time with the grandkids. And Camilla talking about what a sweet and natured soul he is. So Aww. definitely, definitely worth a watch. I think you've got to go and seek it out. If you and can. there's a um, nice new picture of Louis that appeared yeah, in so it as well. There's a couple of great photos. There's a picture of um, uh, Prince Charles, Kate, and holding Prince Louis. And um, yeah, there's uh, there's another one of him swing, swinging grandchildren around the. The garden, isn't there? It's um, definitely. Bit of video. We're, of they're on our website today, I think. Yeah, so they're they're both lovely, and we've, environment seems to have been a, a you know, it's it is now far more obvious that actually this has been a theme through royal life. Mm. But there's another big theme through royal life which comes very much to the fore this week, which is remembrance and um, honouring the dead of the this well of all wars but mm. particularly it's the centenary of the first world war and of we course, saw yeah. there was a lovely picture in the week of the queen riding in the grounds of windsor castle on her little black pony and the pony had got on the bridle sort of f- f- about five um large poppy um ah, poppy things so th- th- she's carrying that with her and that's you know that's that's interesting. I find that she's even the ho- even the horse that she is riding out on is carrying that symbol of remembrance for her. Well, it's 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 so intertwined with the royal family. Remembrance Day, Armistice, the centenary, the you know the armed forces um, are so intertwined within their own history. Um, so I think we will see particularly poignant moments on uh, Saturday and Sunday. Um, the Queen is going to be accompanied by members of the family and they will attend the uh, the Royal British Legion Festival at Royal Albert Hall. For those of you who don't know, Royal Albert Hall is a uh, huge... Well, how would you describe it? It's a... It's, it's a, a circular theatre. circular theatre, a, a very ornate 
playhouse in the shadow of Kensington Palace in Kensington, West London, where they will have the Royal British Legion will put on this festival of remembrance to tie in with the the hundred years and cent- well, centenary of the end of World War One. It's kind of a cross between a concert and a church service. Yes, really, very, it's, perfect, it's very yeah, moving, yeah. and it's I think it's usually broadcast on Sun it on Saturday be, night. Yeah, it should be broadcast on the BBC, and then obviously on Sunday the 11th of November and it actually falls on the 11th of the 11th which is you know particularly poignant which is when it when it stops Remembrance Sunday so which is normally the Sunday before the 11th and now on this year it's actually fallen on the date so obviously the Queen will be and the Duke of Edinburgh will be watching it from the balcony um, as they sort of taken a back seat in terms of laying the wreaths for their health reasons largely and infirmity Um, but again this is Prince Charles uh, stepping to the fore, taking these sorts of um, head of state duties without doing the head of state, and um, yeah, we, we were going to see um, some, you know, some very very poignant scenes at the cenotaph on on Sunday. So um, we expect Meghan to attend. I, I I would well imagine so. I think that you know um, she whether well, she she may be at the rugby with Prince Harry on the Saturday, which is is um, he's going to see the New Zealand game. Or, and, and we'll be meeting some other descendants of uh, two World War One veterans at the rugby, and then obviously I, I, all, all the royal family will be um, in attendance on on the Sunday for the centenary. To be Meghan's first remembrance. Was well, so a bit Sunday. a year at first, and I think next next year will be as well. I mean, this is, you know, she hasn't even announced what she's going to be doing this for her uh, for her main projects yet, has she? So we're um, we're definitely going to see a lot more firsts for for, for Meghan, but. Um, It'd be interesting to see if we could get a first at the rugby as well because I don't think we've seen her there yet. I, last year, I can remember I was working the same weekend and it was just uh, it was not that long after they'd got engaged. I think there was this whole kerfuffle. Are they going to be going to the... Or even it was not that long after the Invictus Games. Are they both going to be going to the rugby? No. No. Well, all all so, kinds no, of just, excitement and really, no, yeah, no she'll definitely, Yeah, definitely be there. Or oh, the two conductors, Cambridge, two conductors, Sussex. Um, and you know, all the other members of the royal family that you would expect to be there on such an important occasion in our history. Yeah, so sun- Sunday, a definite show for solemn and solemn remembrance. Mm. Um, we're going to miss you again for a little bit as you go have yeah. a rest after your big adventure. And then we'll crack back right on. I am going to take a couple of weeks off. Um, and then I'll be back. And then I imagine we've got some some massive stuff happening over Christmas as well. We're normally a busy and possibly period. Doria in Sunday. Yeah, well, this is a big thing as well. We should touch on that. So really touching mo- moment. Did we speak about it? About a touching moment from the Queen who has invited Meghan's mum to spend Christmas with them. So and this is a you know another first because. Uh, the um, Michael and Carol Middleton have been invited to attend church on Christmas Day, Kate's mum and dad. But uh, because Meghan doesn't have any family in in London, she doesn't. Uh, she's moved obviously over for a new husband, Prince Harry, and her mum is obviously over in Los Angeles, and she wanted to spend time with her mum over Christmas. So the Queen has taken the step of inviting her to spend Christmas with the family. So. Really nice. So I imagine we'll see them on um, at Sandringham at the church on Christmas Day as well. 
Is that a bit of lovely moments? Yeah, it will be. Yeah, definitely. Lovely moments. Um, right. Well, enjoy your holiday, Russell. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining us, everybody, our listeners. Um, we will find some other friends to talk to while you're off gallivanting. So you can listen to our adventures while you're I off. Shall do on that. the beach or on a train or on a plane or anywhere. You can take us anywhere. So subscribe, subscribe to the podcast and you'll get the episodes straight to your listening device, whether you're Russell on holiday or you listening at home or wherever you may be. Thank you for joining us and until next time pod save the queen 